Grace from the sermon series Faith Foundations, spoken by Pastor I.J. Her. Lately, we've been on our uh, Faith Foundation series, and today I want to talk about this concept called grace. Say it with me, grace. Grace. Thank you. All right. So, what exactly is grace? Uh, I think there's a lot of different ways to coin this term and like different definitions, but for uh, you know, for the sake of time and um, to you know, keep it short and simple, uh, I'm going to descri- define grace in this manner: it's something we receive but absolutely do not deserve. Okay, grace is something we receive but absolutely do not deserve. Um, and one thing about grace that I, and another thing about grace that I want to mention is that grace, it's a gift, right? And just like any gift, you don't deserve gifts. You're not entitled to a gift. And like any gift, grace, if you are not good stewards of grace, it rots. It's, you've, it's received, it's freely given to you, but you need to be good stewards of this gift of grace or else it rots. And as much as grace is something we receive but we don't deserve, it's also something you need to release and share. That's what it means to be a good steward. Like any gift, if you are not good stewards of grace, it rots. So what is the antithesis of grace? It's actually entitlement. It's actually entitlement. And I want to share a quick story. So, um, you know, I have the privilege and honor and also the burden to love our youth group kids, you know? <laughs> the privilege and honor and burden, all right? It's, 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 it's bold. It, it could be both and. But anyways, uh, you know, uh, as I get to, you know, minister to our wonderful, beautiful kids, um, a lot of times they say some, like, crazy stuff, and I want to share some crazy stuff they say. I won't say who. You know, it's not to protect them, it's to protect the parents. But like, you know, like, I won't say who, but some of these kids, like, I'll, I'll share this one story. I remember I was driving in the van and this one, actually a couple of these kids are like, oh my God, I could never live in a $1 million house. I was like, what? A $1 million house? What the heck? You have that? You know, and then they're like, I could never live in that kind of a house. It has to be $2 million or more. I'm like, what? What the heck? I was, yo, I was about to stop that car, full stop, on the highway. I was like, well, who the heck is this kid? And another time, there was this kid, you know, I went over to their house, and I was just like, hey, checking up on you. Like, how you doing? I'm a senior at church, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they were about to burst in tears. They're like, Pastor IJ, this is a $3 million house. Can you pray to God I get a $5 million house? I deserve this. And I was like, what the? Like, what is going on? I was so confused. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I thought you said million dollar. What did you say? He's like, a $5 million house. And they were like about to cry. You know, and I'm, I'm trying to be sensitive because I've been told I'm pretty insensitive. So I'm trying to be sensitive to these kids, right? So I was like, yeah, I'll pray for you. You know, I, I, I'm pretty, like, I, I don't have to give the tongue, but I think that time I, I prayed in tongues and I'm pretty sure it translated to father smite this kid. You know, like I was like, what is going on? You know, and, but then they genuinely are like, they're so serious about it. They're not even joking. But I share this story, and as much as it's funny and we laugh, we are actually the children in the story. As much as it is funny, we are the entitled children crying to God, demanding him. You give me this, God, because I clearly deserve it. But that is the antithesis of grace.
So in today's passage of Genesis, where it all began, I'm going to bring it, I'm going to start from where it all began in Genesis 1 to 3. We are going to look at how God, he is truly the God of grace, mercy, and love. And he, he, although he's a God of grace, mercy, and love in many ways, in today's passage, I want to hone in on uh, the God of grace being, uh, God of grace, mercy, and love being gracious three times, even when Adam and Eve fall short of his love. So please turn with me to Genesis 3, 21, all right? Please turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. It's a short and simple verse. This is the main verse of today, but I really want to hone on, hone in on how God, he is a gracious, a merciful, a loving God, and we absolutely do not deserve it. We absolutely do not deserve it, but yet God does not fail to be who he is. So please turn with me to Genesis 3, 21. I'm going to read from the ESV. That's what it says. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Receive these words of grace. Let me pray. God of grace, mercy, and love, you are a wonderful, beautiful God. Lord, from the get-go, Lord, from the beginning, we did not deserve anything. We fall short of everything but you clothe us in your love. Although we forget, you do not. Although we fall short and we are constantly falling into the sin of entitlement, thinking we deserve it all, even when we deserve punishment, you still shower us with your love. So Father, as I uh, preach on this message, as your spirit speaks through me, Lord, we just ask that we may understand what it means to receive grace and to release it. And I pray in Son's name, amen. So as I said, uh, you know, our God, he's a gracious God, but I'm gonna hone in on three times, specifically in Genesis, where he is being gracious to Adam and Eve time and time and time again. And I think for many of us, he's gracious to us time and time and time again. So the first way that uh, um, the grace of God is shown through is purposeful work. Say purposeful work. So the grace of God, it is shown through purposeful work. So I'm going to read from us Genesis 1, 28. This is what, it's, what it says. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The grace of God is shown through purposeful work. You see, the reason why this is grace is because when God created Adam and Eve, he doesn't owe them anything. You have to understand, God created them out of his love. God does not owe anything to creation. God does not owe anything to Adam and Eve. But out of his grace, out of his mercy, out of his love, God created them, and he didn't just create them, but he gave them a task. And that simple task is to rule and to reign. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and you have dominion over all of this. Purposeful work. A lot of times we take it for granted. We think the commandments of God are burdens, but we forget they are beautiful gifts. It is grace that God even gives you commandments. Can we just pause and think about that? We look at the Bible, we look at the commandments of God, and we feel like it's a burden, but it is a gift, the fact that God even gave you commandments to begin with. You see, Adam and Eve, the crazy thing is, Adam and Eve... 
their biggest sin, it's not only that they disobeyed God, they neglected the responsibility. Their gift is to rule and reign, but they didn't see it as a gift. They saw it as a burden. I'm going to read for us uh, uh, Genesis 3, uh, 1 to 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had commanded. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wish, one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Their biggest sin, it's not only a disobedience to God, it's not going against God, but it's the fact that they were not fulfilling their responsibility. They were not good stewards of grace. I'm going to give you a Bible fun fact. So when, when I'm, when I, whenever I read this, I, you know, and I, I don't know if you could tell, but I was like emphasizing tree, tree, tree. And every single time I read this, it's so funny. Like I think about it. Why did it have to be the tree of life or the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Like why couldn't it be like a rock, right? Like God's like, hey, don't touch that pebble, you know? <laughs> or like, why couldn't it be like an oasis? Like why does the Bible and the authors of the Bible, why do they hone in on a tree? And I'm going to give you a Bible fun fact. There's two meanings of a tree in the Bible. The first one is divine provision. Divine provision. Say it with me. Divine provision. God is providing for his people. All throughout the Old Testament, anytime you see a tree, it's so interesting because it's not just the fact that this tree is providing for Adam and Eve. It's the fact that God is providing for Adam and Eve. It is divine provision. But the second meaning of, the, of, of a tree in the Bible is divine judgment. Say divine judgment. Based off of Deuteronomy 21:23, it talks about how anyone who is hung from a tree is cursed by God. You see, one of the many cool reasons, this is one of many cool reasons about Jesus dying on a wooden cross or a tree is because he fulfills both of that, divine provision and divine judgment. It's through the death of Christ, there's eternal life, divine provision, but it's also through the death of Christ, there's divine judgment upon him, not us. Yeah, some of you guys are like, oh, okay, okay, yeah. Like, it, it, you know, it's a real beautiful thing. And so I'm going to bring it back to us, talking about Adam and Eve. You know, I, I say it often. It's like, it's not the fact that they disobeyed God. They didn't fulfill their responsibility. So some of you are like, well, what did they lack? If the serpent was on the tree, which it was, Adam and Eve were supposed to judge evil, but they got judged by evil. I'm going to say that again. Adam and Eve were supposed to judge evil, but they got judged by evil. Instead of condemning evil because you are to rule and reign, they have dominion over all creation. They chose to be dominated by evil. They were entering into relationship with sin. They lost their sense of purpose. They lost their sense of purpose. Um... So lately, uh, some of you guys know, because I talk about him a lot. I'm, I'm going to keep this brother anonymous because he asked me to, but I've been working out with the brother at a church because uh, he's, he's like, he's like, 
the second person after Jesus to me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I would want to say Pastor Peter, but he's actually, like, the second thing closest to Jesus in my life right now. Like, I, I love everything about him. I think he's, like, the coolest guy. I can't say his name because he, he asked me to keep him anonymous, but he's a really cool guy, and he's at our church. Yeah. But anyways, uh, I, I've been working out with him. We've been lifting a lot, and uh, I just got to know him better and better. And, you know, he truly is, like, the epitome of, per, of, of understanding God's grace and, and no, understanding what it means to have purposeful work. Um, you see, as I've been like working out with them, just talking with them, you know, he's married, he has two kids, he's actually not single. Um, so sorry, some of you are like, oh wow, it sounds like a really cool guy. It's like, sorry, he's taken. But he truly understands what it means that receiving purposeful work from God is a gift. It's grace. And I, I honestly, I, I feel like pretty crappy about myself every time I work out with them. Because everything he does, it's like every single rep, it's for Jesus. I'm like, Why? Why can't this be, rep be for me, you know? <laughs> like, I worked really hard to, like, lift this. But everything he does, like, the, the workout music we listen to, it's Christian music. You know what kind of music I listen to when I work out? Korean ballads. <laughs> I listen to heartbreak and sadness, but he listens to Christian music. I'm like, what's going on? And then, like, everything he does, it's all for the glory of God. He's not a pastor, but even in his work, it's for the glory of God. In his marriage, it's for the glory of God. When he cares for his kids, he always tells me and himself, they're a gift. My kids are a gift. My wife is a gift. And, you know, I highlight on this brother is because, you know, um, uh, one of the uh, privileges I get at Metro is, you know, getting to talk with some of y'all who are a lot older than, or not a lot older, but like, you're older than me, right? <laughs> But honestly, I get sad sometimes when I talk with some brothers in their mid-40s because all I hear is about how crappy life is, how much they hate their marriage, how much they are telling me, hey, kids are beautiful, but think about it, you know? And it's like, man, that's all I hear. And sometimes I start wondering, like, is that my life in my 40s? But I look at this brother who is the salt and light of my world and of the world, and I can't help but think, wow, actually, I think this is the standard that Jesus, that God is talking about. The grace of God is shown through purposeful work. Are you fulfilling purposeful work? You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to work even for a Christian organization. But in all that you do, in every avenue of your life, are you living it out with purpose for the glory of God or are you just doing it because that's what you're supposed to do? Grace is something we receive but we do not deserve. You see this brother and I believe what God is trying to tell us is purpose is a gift. Purposeful work, that is a gift. It's grace from God. And if we have received this gift, you need to exemplify that. You need to release it. So the second way that God, the grace of God is shown, it is through per personal relationships. Say personal relationships. So I'm going to read from Genesis 3, 7 to 11. So Genesis 3, 7 to 11, this is what it says. Then the eyes 
of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? You see, the reason why I'm honing in on personal relationships and this passage is because God could have and he should have just kicked them out. I mean, think about it. God gave you like one job, right? He's like, you could have all of this. All of this is yours. Just don't eat of that fruit. All of this is yours. And they end up doing the one thing they were not supposed to do. God could have and he should have just kicked out Adam and Eve right away. You know, I talk with my non-Christian friends. They're like, you know, you know I, I read the Bible, IJ, and like, God just sounds really judgy. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yo, if that was me, I would have been like, hell no. I'm not going to talk with you. Just get out. You know, close the door on your way out, bro. But God is a God of grace, mercy, and love because even in disobedience, he seeks relationship. I'm going to reread verse 9 for uh, um. Sorry, sorry, sorry. In, yeah, I'm going to read verse 9 for us. And this is what God says. He says, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? That is one of the most personal questions someone can ask. Let's be real. If somebody backstabbed you, would you seek them out and ask, hey, where are you? I mean, some of you might be like, yo, where are you? Because you owe me money, you know? <laughs> it's like, I'm going to get you. But that's not what God is doing here. He's like, where are you? He is seeking personal relationships. Even though Adam and Eve chose to pursue a relationship with sin, God chooses to pursue a relationship with them over and over again. Adam and Eve chose to be personal with sin, but God chooses to be personal with us. Grace is something we receive but do not deserve. Relationships, no matter how bad they are, relationships, they are God's Grace, they are a gift from God. They are gifts that we do not deserve, but we have received. Relationships are gifts from God. I, I, I want to actually uh, give a shout out to some of my groomsmen, um, some of my brothers that I so love and are so precious to me. So, the, um, um, yeah, so this is a photo of me and then my friend Gio and my brother Ray. So I'll, I'll try to go as quick as possible, but Gio, uh, I, I rave about him all the time. He's my soulmate in the West Coast. You, you see, like, the reason why I love Gio so much is because our relationship was absolute divine provision. Like, I'm from the East Coast, he's from the West Coast. We're nine years apart. Yeah, if some of you are like, oh, I can only be friends with people around my stage of life. No, we're nine years apart. I'm Korean, he's Indonesian. Our, our, our ethnicities, we don't ever overlap, ever, you know? Like, you guys have to understand, this is crazy. This is absolutely insane. And the crazier part is, we've been in relationship for the past three years and every single month just keeping in touch and confessing sins to each other. There are times where like my life gets rough. There are times where his life gets rough. Gio works like three jobs. So some of you might be like, hey, I'm just busy, you know, or like, hey, IJ, as life goes on with age, you just lose touch. I know that's true for some of you, but I also believe it's true that relationships, they're a gift from God. 
So you could either steward it or you could let it go and rot. My brother Ray, he is a brother sitting right there next to Amy. Hey, Ray. But he is one of my closest friends who I got to meet at Metro. He's a brother that has been serving with me in youth ministry, and he is much older and wiser than I am, but we are in this relationship together. And, and, and it's not just something we do because we're in each other's vicinity. We make it an effort every week, every other week, whatever it is, checking up on each other. Where are you? How are you? Where are you in life? How's your faith? I, it's not my story to share Ray's story, but he has been through a lot of stuff in the past three years. He has been through many funerals in the past years, but yet he still makes me a priority. Personal relationships are a gift from God. And the last brother I want to give a shout out to, I don't know if the picture's there. Oh, oh no, that's, that's not the picture. Where's Tim? All right, all right, all right, all right. That's the next picture. But anyways, there's another brother. I'll give him a shout out next second service. He always comes second service. But anyways, my point is this. Relationships, they're a gift from God. They are an absolute gift. And like any gift, you need to steward it or it will rot. And I share this with you, Metro, because lately, uh, and I'll keep it real because like I always do, but Metro, we've received feedback from a lot of y'all saying, hey, Metro's not a friendly church. Hey, Metro, there's no community here. And I, I, I want to uh, push back, not that I don't believe there's truth to that. I, you know, like our staff, we've been really taking in your feedback. And we've been really talking about it in staff meetings. We're like, how can we be a community-centered church? How can we be a friendly church? And although Pastor Peter is humble enough to take that in, I want to give a challenge to our church. And I want to give a challenge, and it's actually more of an encouragement, is that instead of you criticizing from the sidelines and not partaking in this community, why don't you join in in what God is already doing? I want to push back. If some of you are like, there's no community here, no, there is community. It's just not what you want. There is community at this church. It's just not what you want. So I want to invite you. Some of you, you have such a gift of hospitality, a gift of, of being relational. I really want to invite you. I think it's about time for you to lead small group. You know, for me personally, in this past year, I, was got, I got to be part of a small group, I think, you know, not trying to be biased, was one of the best small groups in my time in Metro. I've been at Metro for five years, but I think it was one of the best small groups ever. And maybe some of you are like, yo, my small group is the best small group. But once again, that best small group, that intimate community that you have, those small pockets of friendships that you have, they're a gift. I think it's about time you release that gift and give community to others. Yes. Don't hoard it. Don't just keep it within yourself. It's about time you release that community, release and pursue personal relationships, not just with people that you vibe with, but it's with people that are like, it, it, sometimes it gets awkward with. Like those friendships I told you, as much as I love those brothers in the beginning, it was awkward as hell. <laughs> no, I'm serious. We don't get, we, there's like very few we have in common other than food. <laughs> like that's probably it. But we have built this relationship over and over because it's a gift, y'all. It is a gift. And the last point I have for us, the grace of God is shown through perfect love. Shown through perfect love. 
I'm going to read Genesis 3, 21. It says, and the Lord got me for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. And the reason I made this the main passage for today, I know some of you are like, that's a real short verse. I mean, that's one of the reasons, but, <laughs> you know, like, I got to keep it short. But anyways, like, that's one of the reasons, but the, re- but, uh, the main reason I, I, I chose this is because of the last part where it says God clothed them. Another Bible fun fact for y'all. So there's three reasons, three uh, imagery of, of, of clothing in the Bible. So the first one's practical use. You know, just like some of y'all, it gets cold. Yeah, all right. Ancient people, they get cold too. All right. <laughs> Listen, they're not going to go butt naked in the winter. Like they need something. All right. The second reason, uh, um, uh, imagery of clothing in the Bible, is actually fashion. It's to show your status. Are you part of royalty? What family? What line are you from? But the third imagery of clothing that I really want to hone in on is actually inheritance. Inheritance. You see, God clothed Adam and Eve, not because they were cold, not because they needed to make a fashion statement. God clothed Adam and Eve because he was covering their shame with his love. We as Christians, we as Christians in today with the Old and New Testament, the grace that we have is we know who that love is. It's Jesus Christ. This clothing, it's not that God just clothed them with some random piece of cloth. It's actually a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. What God is telling Adam and Eve is you broke my covenant and then you try to blame each other and then you try to run away from me and then you try to live in shame. But I am reminding you, you are still mine. Even though you messed up, even though you and your four children, even though your generations will continue to break my covenant, I'm clothing you with my son, a covenant that will never break. So some of you know, I I recently got ordained back in June. Um, and it was a big moment for me. Um, and some of you are like, what was ordination? Yo, to be honest, I didn't know for a bit too. <laughs> I had to take a couple classes, but ordination, it's like you're making this commitment, this call to, for this pastoral call in your life. And it's so beautiful. You get all these pastors praying over you. Like, you know, it's, it's a cool thing. Um, and the funny thing is I actually didn't really wrestle with my pastoral call before I got ordained. I'm wrestling with my pastoral call now. And it's been real rough for me. I started questioning my purpose. I'm like, am I even making an impact? You know, because I'd be like, hey, y'all, you know, God loves you and all these kids are like, shut up. I'm like, all right, you know what? Uh, purpose is out the window. You know, where's my belonging as a pastor? Do I have a place where I belong? Or my identity? I think that's the biggest thing I've been struggling with as a pastor is like, quite frankly, let's be real. Like outside of church, I don't have a relationship to many of you. And it's always a daunting thought. I'm like, man, if I left Metro or man, if I stopped being a pastor, would I just stop having community? You know, and it's, and and, and I've been just wrestling with this so much and it's been bringing me down a lot of times, but you know, I'm just so grateful. Now you can show a picture of my brother, Steve, but that's my best friend, Steve. He's known me for 12 years. And you know, like I, I actually recently went hiking with him. Uh, We climbed Mount Mordor, like, (laughs) yo man, I was, God did not train my glutes for that. But anyways, we were, we were hiking, and I, I was just like, yo, man, I've been really struggling with this. Like, uh, and, I, and, and this has been weighing on my soul and my heart. And then um, another picture, I, I want to shout out to my brother, Cero. I don't know if there's a picture up there. Is there. Yeah, so that's my brother, Cero. He knew me since I was in fourth grade. 
Some of you are like, so like two years? <laughs> no, 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 no. He's, he's known me for a good like 15 years, 15, 16 years. And both of these brothers, as I spend time with them and I just pour out my heart, they're like, hey, bro, we got to be real with you. We never cared if you were a pastor or not. We never cared if you were a pastor or not. Everyone else in your church knows you as Pastor IJ. We always knew you as Injun. We don't care if you're a pastor, bro. Quite frankly, we were kind of shocked you were a pastor. <laughs> you know? But they were like, bro, we love you so much. And if this is how much we love you, how much do you think God loves you? You know? They're like, you think God cares if you're a pastor or not? God loves you because you're his son. You are his son. But unfortunately for some of you, receiving God's perfect love, it's been hard. Some of you might be like Adam and Eve. You're just kind of like living in the shame or bitterness or entitlement. But I want to remind you as your brother, not your pastor, but your brother, I want to remind you that that act of clothing that, Adam, that God did for Adam and Eve, that is the same act God is doing for you every day. God is reminding you, you are mine. All that I have, it's still yours. You hate Metro? Great, I still love you. You don't like your brother or sister? You can't forgive them? Cool, I still love you. You hate me? I still love you. And that is God's grace. It is his perfect love. So to wrap it all up, the grace of God, it is always shown through purposeful work, it's shown through personal relationships, and it is shown through his perfect love. And many of us, you will feel like you fall short, and actually the point is we do fall short, but that's why it's grace. You never deserved it, but God loves you nonetheless. Let's pray. God of grace, mercy, and love, um, Thank you. Thank you, God, for, for being so gracious to us. Thank you, God, that we clearly do not deserve any of this. I mean, we could look at Adam and Eve. We could be like, they're foolish. Man, if it was me, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, you know, to be honest, if, if it was us, we'd probably do something worse. But you still love us nonetheless. You shower us with your love. And Father, like any gift that we receive, may we be good stewards of your grace. May we not let it rot in the corner. Father, the gifts, the grace that you have given us, may we exercise them. Lord, you have called each and every one of us for purposeful work. Some of us might feel like our industry or our line of work, it's not glorifying to you but you've placed us there for a reason and it is to glorify you. It is to be fruitful and multiply. It is to rule and to reign. You have given us a purpose and may we exercise that gift. Father, you have given us these personal relationships. You have given us community at this church. May we be good stewards of community and instead of being on the sidelines and criticizing 
how much we lack in this church. May we partake and fill where it lacks. Father, last but not least, your perfect love, your unconditional love, may we receive over and over. And as we receive this perfect love, God, may we be the salt and light, may we be your hands and feet and exemplifying perfect love to the world, God. Thank you, and I pray in your son's name.